Welcome to the First NAS Podcast. We're in the third week of Advent with the theme of joy. Pastor Paul is sharing from Psalm 126 this morning on that theme of joy. Let's listen in and hear what he has to share. Uh, I'm in Psalm 126. If you want to open up your Bible with me, Psalm 126 this morning. Let me just take care of a few housekeeping items. Let me remind you, every Thursday morning at 6 a.m., I pray with anybody who wants to pray. I lead just a quiet, meditative time of prayer, and so I'll be doing that this Thursday at 6 a.m. If you're interested in getting a link at 5.55 in the morning to join the Zoom, it's via Zoom, by the way. If you're interested in joining that Zoom, text prayers to the number on your screen and you can receive those texts. That is our prayer team uh, text link. So if you, if you want to just know how you can be praying or getting uh, some suggestions for prayer through the week, you can te- uh, get subscribed to that by pre- texting prayers to the number. I want to give a heads up of where I'm going in the future. I am going to be preaching right here on Sunday mornings in January and into February about some big questions, Uh, some questions that you might be asking for a friend, you know? The questions like, does God exist? Uh, Questions like, does God love me? Am I living the life that God wants? Is Christianity really the only way to God? Some big questions, and so these are, these are questions that maybe, maybe you have settled in your mind, but maybe you want to just think about a little bit more, and so I invite you to be a part of our Sunday morning services from uh, January 7th through uh, the middle of February. We'll be talking about six big questions, and I'm looking forward to, to that time together. I also wanted to make mention in the new year, we'll be starting up our Wednesday night programming again on January 3rd, and our family nights were off for the next two weeks, so don't come expecting dinner on Wednesday. You will be hungry. You'll have to go to Zips. They have great food. It's just more expensive than the free food here. So don't come on Wednesdays uh, for the next two weeks, but in January on Wednesday nights for adults, I will be talking about uh, some, some super exciting Nazarene doctrine. Isn't that exciting? I'm going to be talking specifically about how we view sin and salvation, what we believe about why, why we need Jesus at all, and, and then what we believe about how Jesus actually makes us right with God. And then we, believe, we have this crazy belief that the Holy Spirit could actually transform us to want to do what God wants us to do. And so we're going to be talking about that on Wednesday nights uh, in, in the new year as well. Those are all my advertisements for this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I still have a sermon to preach, so don't get too excited. Uh, This Advent, we have been going through psalms. We've been looking at different psalms through the season of Advent. Pastor Becca started us out with a psalm of lament, reminding us that God can handle our praise and our adoration and our love for for God when things are going well, but God can also handle the depths of our heart when when we don't have praise to speak. When, When what we feel inside is dark and heavy, God can handle that. Even in this season, when everybody is pasting on a smile and saying, Merry Christmas, God can handle when our hearts don't feel like that. 
Last week, Pastor Ryan led us through, through another psalm reminding us of this pattern of remembering and lamenting and repenting to, to rejoicing. And we want to live in the space of rejoicing, right? But Pastor Ryan reminded us how we, we can't live in the space of rejoicing without going through the process of getting there. And so he led us so well last week. Today, I'm taking us to a traveling song. I'm, psalm 126 that I'm looking at today is called a Psalm of Ascent. And Psalms 120 through 134, 120 through 134, are called the Psalms of Ascent. And what that means is they were psalms that were used by God's people. There were three times a year that God's people, men, had to go to Jerusalem to the temple to worship as long as there was a temple standing in Jerusalem. And so those three times a year, God's people would go from wherever they were living in the land to Jerusalem to worship. Psalms 120 through 134 were the psalms, the songs that people would sing to one another during that journey. They would, they would remind themselves why they're headed up to, to worship uh, in Jerusalem. And this particular psalm reminds us, uh, reminded the, the people traveling of one of the great works of God on behalf of his people. But it reminds us also that even, even when we remember those great things that God has done in the past, it doesn't mean that everything is always great. And, and it, remembers back, uh, it remembers back toward the good, but it hopes for good times that could come again. And so many of the Psalms were written to help God's people remember, remember God's faithfulness in the past, right? Lots of Psalms recount God's glories, the good things that God has done in the past. Many, many of the Psalms talk about, about God's goodness over the centuries. They, they recount all these things, all these ways that, that God has been good to his people, and they hope for God to be good to his people again. And even when we can't see it, we, we remember back and we think, God could do that again. God could work again in, in special ways. And remember the Psalms, we just read them out of, the, out of the page, and they're just words to us, but these are songs, these are songs that people would sing. And music is like a memory supercharger, isn't it? Like music really helps us remember things. Like I think I have a pretty good memory, honestly. I pre like pretty good memory. But I still struggle to remember certain things. And so, if, but if it's set to music, if you give me a song lyric, like I can't forget it. It's, it's kind of a problem sometimes right? Because like, I can remember things. I remember the 50 nifty United States from 13 original colonies in alphabetical order because of fifth grade, right? Like, I can't, I can't get rid of that. That's valuable space that maybe could be used for other stuff. Like, I, I can't get rid of it. I mean, I know a lot of scripture that's set to, to, set to songs. I've tried to associate references with scripture that is songs. Like one of my favorite scriptures is Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, which is uh, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. I won't sing anymore. You're welcome. Uh, but there's, you know, many psalms uh, in scripture is set to, to music. And if you know the reference, you know the, you know the words because you know, you know the words. But like, Anything set to music 
it's, it's stuck, right? It helps to, to remember, like, I am way, way more confident about some obscure Paul Simon lyrics than I am about my own daughter's birth dates. Like, it's a, it's a, <laughs> I know it's sometime in March. Uh, she's a little offended there. Music is like a, a, mu- a memory supercharger though, right? You've been driving along when you've heard a song that just transports you back in time and all of a sudden you're, you're back there. We were talking, Andy and I were talking this week about old DC talk music. Old DC talk music. If you play the free at last DC talk album, I am in ninth grade again. Like just, that is, that is vintage. I mean, I know speaking of lyrics that could be t- like shooed out of my brain for important stuff like i remember it and and it is it takes me back there uh one of the first cd's i owned and my mom could not understand why why i wanted to own this stuff and not like tchaikovsky or something that was weird to my mom do you have music that transports you back in time? Like, are there, have you had that experience yet? I'm sure you, you know this of just like driving down the street and suddenly a song comes on and, and you, are, you are back in a, in a time period that, that you, you just can't get out of that mindset once you hear that, that music that transport you back. Music is a, is a memory supercharger, but mu- music is also a movement supercharger. I've, I'm, I know I've used the, the example, uh, I, I love to go hiking and backpacking, and, and as my girls have grown up, I've taken them hiking and backpacking, and when they were little, 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 you know, hiking and backpacking is really boring. It turns out it's just walking, and, and they don't really like walking all that much when it's not like for, like right there, you know, and so kids have a hard time hiking very long. I discovered early on in, in hiking and, and, and backpacking with my girls, that if I would just sing to them, they would keep moving. And so I, you know, I don't know how many times I've sung Henry VIII in The Seven Devils. Like we have, that song has gotten a lot of, you would be amazed at how many miles you can get out of second verse, same as the first. It's, it's incredible. So I like to think of the Psalms of Ascent as like these, these tools that the people used in, in the ancient days to, to just keep aching feet moving, right? Even when I've been hiking by myself, sometimes like a good hymn will get you a couple of miles, you know? It'll, it'll keep me moving. Just a, a good song will, will keep you to stop thinking about how much your body feels like stopping, in, in Dr. Boone, Dan Boone that wrote the Advent devotional we're going through right now, he talks about the Psalms of Ascent. They're short, you know, they're short. You didn't have to pull out the, the songbook <clears throat> to remember all of the words. You, you could just, they were easy to memorize and you could recite them on a pinch. You could sing them in a pinch. And so when, when your feet got tired, when you got, so you were felt, feeling like giving up, you could just put on one of the, one of the Songs of Ascent and, and maybe keep moving for, for a couple of miles more. And Psalm 126 uh, is a psalm that travelers remember why they are going through the agony of this journey in the first place, why they're doing this, this trip to Jerusalem to worship. 
because it starts with one of the best collective memories of God's people late in the in the New Test or in the Old Testament period of time. Uh, it, it talks about it talks about God bringing back His children from exile. So why don't you just uh, focus in with me on Psalm one twenty six? I'm going to read verses one through three for us. It'll be on the on the screens, or you can follow along in your own Bible. This is the New Living Translation. It says. When the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter, and we sang for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. This psalm remembers back to, to a time when God's people, the nation of Judah, was taken captive by a much bigger empire of the day, the the Babylonian empire. The Babylonians had this strategy for subduing the people they conquered as they conquered the known world, and and their their strategy was destroying the cities that that they, they conquered and taking all of the rich stuff, all of the wealth, and all of the people, all of the important people especially, to Babylon, to the city of Babylon, and keeping them there, and building this this mega city that would have the best from all of the cultures that the Babylonian Empire encompassed right there in in the city. And so it was 586 BC when King of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar was his name, came, and he destroyed the city of Jerusalem. He didn't leave one stone on top of the other. The walls were completely destroyed, the buildings were destroyed, the temple was destroyed, and, and Nebuchadnezzar, he took all of anything worth, uh, anything of value to Babylon with him. So all the gold that was in the temple that Solomon built that we read about in the Old Testament hauled off to, to Babylon. All of the, cro- or, or all of the flocks and, and herds of animals taken back to Babylon. And most devastating, all of the, all of the important people, the, the past and future kings, uh, are present in future kings and governors and, and bureau- bureaucrats of, of Jerusalem were, were carted off. But the artists and the craftsmen as well, and the philosophers and the priests and the prophets and the teachers, everybody who knew anything was taken away to, to Babylon. And the people who were carted off t- from Jerusalem to Babylon they, they had this expectation that God was going to rescue them. Like, this was just a little accident. God, God, like, let this one slip, and real soon, God was going to come and deliver the people back to Jerusalem. God was going to beat up the Babylonians right there in Babylon, I guess, because he didn't beat them up in, in Jerusalem. So God was going to come, and, and the people were going to be released. They, they thought that a warrior and a king would, would rise up and, and fight them out, Uh, of Babylon. But instead of God sending a warrior king, God sent prophets to the people in Babylon. And and there were prophets that came along and told the people, you know, it's, uh, you might as well unpack your bags. You go ahead and unpack your bags. And in fact, one of the prophets that was there, or that wrote a letter to to the captives in Babylon was, was Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29 is a letter from, from the prophet speaking on behalf of God to the captives who, who were in Babylon. And, and the letter, it says, essentially, 
unpack your bags, settle in, build a nice house, plant a good garden, find spouses for your children. It's going to be a while. And, and so God let the people languish in Babylon for, for about 70 years. So an entire generation was born and died in captivity in Babylon. And the, and the psalm harkens back to the time when God finally did move. And finally, after, gen, after a generation of hearing, this isn't where we belong. We belong back in Jerusalem, back in the land that God promised our ancestors. After a generation of that, God moved. And God brought the children of Israel, the nation of Judah, out of Babylon and back into the promised land and back to Jerusalem to, to rebuild the city. Psalm 126 remembers that. It harkens back to it. it. It says, when the Lord brought back his exiles from Jerusalem, it was like a dream. Bible scholars grab onto this idea. It was like a dream. They say it's not like, it's not exactly the same as saying like uh, a dream come true. You know, we, it, it doesn't fit exactly. Bible scholars like to argue about like all of the grammar here. There's a lot written. You should, you should dig into it. It's really stimulating reading. The, uh, they, they dig into it, and, and I guess the, the summary of all that, that I read about it is it, it, was, it was like, it was so good, it was, it was almost too good to be true. Like the, the, people, the people didn't have a lot of reason for thinking they would ever get out of, of Babylonian captivity. The Babylonians, they intended that to be a permanent arrangement. They were, they were not in the business of letting, letting their captives go. And, and so when, when God finally let his, his people go, when it finally happened, the, the children of Israel, they returned to Jerusalem worried that if someone pinched them, they would wake up from this incredibly great dream. Like it was so good, they... They, they kind of were guarding their hearts against it in Babylon. Because, I mean, could it really ever possibly happen? That would be too good to be true, right? If God actually let us be freed from Babylonian captivity? No, that, that couldn't happen. We shouldn't, we shouldn't entertain that thought. Have you ever had a, anything happen in your life that you've been like, well, this is too good to be true? <laughs> Have you ever had any moments like that? I thought, wow, this is really good. I hope I don't wake up from this dream. I have a couple of times in my life when I think about, this is really, really good. I hope I don't wake up from this dream. <laughs> the marks of the joy of the people uh, are, are recorded in verse 2. In, in verse 2, it, it says, We were filled with laughter. We sang for joy. The other nations said, What amazing things the Lord has done for them. It wasn't just God's people who saw it. The nations around them saw that people had been released from captivity in Babylon. And, and here they were returning to the land. It's like a dream come true. This is amazing. This doesn't happen. And, and here God's people were coming back to the land that God had promised them. 
It's interesting then the this psalm that remembers one of the best collective memories of God's people. Uh, it it also remembers the good times don't always last. And and there's a quick turn to recognize that even when God has given us the desires of our heart, when life has been like too good to believe it could possibly be true, that dreamlike bliss is not maybe the everyday experience. Even for God's people who have experienced it, it's not the everyday experience. And so the people, they, they gained their independence, but they actually, they only gained it in short spurts. There would be a good ruler and a, a strong king that would help the, the nation of Judah kind of be independent for, for just a short period, and then another larger army, bigger empire would come and conquer the promised land. And by the time Jesus would come to rescue God's people and all of humanity, there'd be about 400 years of, of independence in, in starts and stops and mostly, mostly 400 years of God's people wishing for relief, wishing for relief from the heavy hand of empires ruling over them, relief from the burden of taxes, relief from, from religious persecution, relief from the harassment of foreign armies. And we get a sense of the way God's people understood their situation in the last half of the psalm. In verses four through six, we, we read, restore our fortunes, Lord, as the streams renew the desert. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. We don't know the exact historical context of, of Psalm 126. We don't know which of the periods of time after exile that, that the nation of Judah was under oppression, this one comes from. But we can read it, and we, we know that this is, uh, this is a time when the psalm is asking God to restore the fortunes of his people. It's a time when fortunes needed to be restored, <laughs> when the people needed help. The imagery of the psalm, the second half of the psalm, is, is imagery of drought, right? It asks for God to refor, restore our fortunes like streams renew in the desert. Streams in the desert, sometimes they, they fill up uh, with no warning. It happens quick, right? There can be a, a storm come through and a, and a dry, dry creek bed can be, can be rushing in just a little bit. Streams in the desert, though, they can renew without warning. Like, rains a long ways off can, can travel a long way in, in a desert. And so a stream in the desert, it can, it can restore even when there hasn't been rain right, right there. The Psalm 126, it, it anticipates that the Lord could be sending rain even far away right now that will refresh the people. And then the imagery of planting in tears and weeping in verses 5 and 6, it, it, it points to the idea of, of planting when they don't have a lot of hope of, of receiving much of a harvest. When I was a pastor in central Washington, I learned a little bit about farming in a desert. 
Central Washington is pretty much a desert. In, in the Columbia Basin, where, where there isn't irrigation water, the only crop that can be grown is, is grain, and really only wheat, uh, and really only every other year on the land. Uh, the, the farmers there, they let the ground be fallow for a year in between crops. Uh, because the, there's not enough rain in one year to, to grow a crop of wheat. So they, they let the ground rest. They kill anything that's green, that's sucking up moisture from the, from the soil uh, over the course of that year. And then in the fall, there might be enough moisture that they can, they can plant wheat deep down in the soil. They'll plant it six inches to 10 inches to a foot deep because that's where all of the moisture will have settled in there might be enough moisture down there for the seed to germinate. They'll plant it in the fall. It'll grow up. There'll be a little bit of green through the winter, and that green has to, has to freeze over the winter in order for a crop to, to come. It's winter wheat. But sometimes there's not moisture down deep in the fall, and so the farmers will, will wait until spring. They'll plant, plant spring wheat. And spring wheat goes down a couple of inches in the soil, and it the idea behind spring wheat is that over the winter, there's been snow and there's been rain, and, and that moisture, it's just down there just a little ways, and you can get into that moisture, the, the seed will germinate, and, and you'll get a crop. Spring wheat almost never produces quite as well as winter wheat, and so winter wheat is to be preferred. But then there's, there's bad years. There's bad years when there's none, uh, uh, there wasn't moisture deep, in, in the soil for, for that fall planting of winter wheat. And then in the spring, through the winter, anytime it rained, it also, the wind blew, and it blew away the moisture before it could soak down into the, into the soil. Or if it would snow, it would just like, the ground would be frozen and all the water would run off before it could, could soak down in. And so when there's no moisture to, to plant the seed, the, the farmer's they, they plant this seed just below a layer of dust. They call it dusting the seed in. Just, just below the surface so that any rain that happens to fall will hopefully make that seed germinate and grow a plant. Dusting in the seed, it's like a desperate situation. It was, it's like an act of faith. It's like saying there's been 18 months when there hasn't been enough rain for this to grow a crop. But now maybe, maybe, we'll try, because what else are we going to do? That's the imagery that we get in Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6. I can imagine those farmers putting out the last of the grain that they have in storage. The last that they have. They're going out weeping. If rain doesn't come, it's going to rot in the ground. It's gone. Birds are going to eat it. It's, it's gone. They need, they need rain to come in order for there to be a harvest. It's the, last, it's the last of the grain that could be food, right? If you don't throw it out for seed, you could, you could grind it up and make bread with it. And, and they're throwing it out with nothing but hope that the weather pattern will change. This, is, this describes the position of those who went to Jerusalem under the shadow of those larger empires that dominated God's people. 
people they, they had they had rulers over them telling them where they can and cannot go and what they can and cannot do but in confidence in the same god that brought the captives out of babylon the psalm talks about throwing throwing good seed out in what seems like bad conditions the psalm makes the request makes the request that the lord would restore his people's fortunes. But it acts in faith. It acts by throwing out the seed, boldly believing the drought conditions are coming to an end. There's no evidence of it yet. The farmers are are scattering seeds in tears. This is the last handful that could feed my family. But the psalm proclaims confidently that those same seeds that are going out in tears, are going to produce a crop that, that will be brought in with joy. It seems like a pretty big leap of faith. But the psalm says, the, the seed is being planted in trust in the same God who restored the fortunes of the exiles in Babylon. This is why we come to this psalm during this season. In the season of Advent, we remember the birth of Jesus, the gift of God that is poised to right all of the wrongs in our world. The gospel acknowledges that there are are some serious problems in our world, real problems, but it boldly proclaims that Jesus is the solution to those problems. The good news of Jesus is that there is brokenness There is brokenness in us, in our relationships, in our world. There is brokenness in the relationship between us and God. But Jesus has come to bring wholeness. And we live in in dark days. Adam Hamilton, we've been studying his book on Wednesday nights about the Christmas story. He talks about how, unlike any previous generation, we have constant access to bad news. News that produces fear and anxiety. And as Christians, in this season of Advent, we we remember the birth of the one who said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. So, I wonder where you're finding yourself today. I hope, I hope that you are in Psalm 126.1. You are saying, life is like a dream. Can you believe all of the good things that are happening around me? I hope that's your, your experience. I know for some people this morning it is. And praise God for it. It's important in those seasons to focus our attention on God and to give thanks to God, because it can be easy to to be sidetracked by all of the blessings we have sometimes and forget to thank God. But maybe you feel more like you're in a drought, like you're sowing seeds in tears, like you're bombarded by bad news, like you're struggling with the brokenness in our world, the brokenness around you, the brokenness in your own life. 
may I offer the joy of this season as a reason for hope. Christmas reminds us that God doesn't sit passively by watching us, waiting for us to fix ourselves. God came into our world in the flesh to bring restoration and hope and wholeness and joy to every heart that will receive him. We do this every year. We celebrate Advent every year. Because we need to be reminded at least once a year, at least once a year that God has done this really good thing for us in the past. He sent Jesus. This really, really good thing. It's so astounding. It's, it's almost like like a dream, like something you would dream up. It's, it's too good to be true that God who created it all would enter into it. How could it be? Even if right now, though, we, we live in a time of asking God to restore our fortunes, we can, we can have hope and confidence in the same God who sent Jesus to do great things, he will do great things in us again. Will you let me pray for you? Our Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for the good things in the past. We thank you, God, for Jesus. <laughs> we, we've looked at the way that Jesus is like the creative one in the Trinity recently. Jesus made it all. Through Jesus, you made it all. And God, then you, you sent Jesus into our world, God in the flesh, to redeem us, to make us one with you, God. It's, it's like a dream. <laughs> we can't believe it. And we thank you for it. We thank you that you would, you would bless us in so many ways. We thank you for, for the way that you bring wholeness in our lives. You bring wholeness to our relationships. You bring wholeness, Lord, where, where it seemed like there was no hope of, of things coming back together. We thank you for all that you have done for us. But Lord, we recognize that many of us still have a long ways to go. We recognize, Lord, that, that there is still broken, broken parts in our world and in our lives. And Lord, we, we lament that often the area that the, the biggest brokenness we can experience is, is in our isolation from you. When we don't just open up to you and, and let you move in our hearts. And so God, we, we know that you can. We know that you have made every step to be at work in us.
And God, this morning we just, we open up ourselves to the possibility that you could do it in us. That you could work to bring wholeness to our broken world. We trust, Lord, that you, you are not done. And we look forward to the restoration that Jesus has offered us. Help us, Lord, to trust. To trust and to know that Jesus can restore us. Thank you for the season that we celebrate. Thank you, God, for, for the joy that we experience in remembering the gift of your Son. Help that joy to be real in our lives today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the First NAS podcast. We look forward to seeing you in person at 1700 8th Street in Lewiston. Come join us.